How do you pay, man? Huh? If you don't write checks, how do you pay these guys? Straight cash, homie. Well, all right. Yeah. ten grand to me. Yeah. You know, ever since I turned pro in 1989, when I signed the dotted line, it was strange. Things change for the better and for the worse. So I called my mama and she said, baby, I'll what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another edition. This is edition number four of the Straight Cash Homie Podcast. As always, my name is Neil Rule, local sportscaster here in the Detroit area. Welcome in the brains of this operation. He is Cam Evans of Pivotal Sports Management, very active in sports law and representation. You can follow him on Twitter at Cameron underscore J underscore Evans. Episode number four, Cam. I didn't, I, I didn't know we had four in us, but here we keep going. Never a doubt that we had four. We got many more. It's always a pleasure to sit down and talk the business side of sports with Neil and our listening audience. Absolutely. A big uh, extra special hello to those of you joining us on iTunes, all the subscribers. We're picking up subscribers for this, and uh, it, it just makes me laugh, Cam, every time. <laughs> every time someone adds as a subscriber, uh, it, it just makes me laugh a little bit. But uh, there is a market for this, and, and as always, we talk about the business side of sports, and today probably my favorite show and and when you and I got together and planned this out and said hey this is the way we're going to go with this I knew we weren't going to waste much time before we got into this but the television broadcasting deals and and the TV dollar the almighty as it turns out TV dollar and and Cam a lot of sports fans think that the athletes control it because they're the ones signing the contracts or the owners control it because they control the purse strings and who gets what in terms of contracts But let's be quite perfectly clear with everyone. Television and television deals are the captain of this ship, and there is no disputing that. There is none. Cash is king, and TV deals are the greatest revenue generator that the um, not only the four major sports in the United States, but across the globe. And it is that revenue stream, guaranteed revenue stream, that is coming in, that is having all kinds of impact on, on the salaries and salary cap levels, um, and will continue to do so. And uh, look forward to spending some time talking to you about it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Cam, when you look at it, too, you talked about it. It's guaranteed cash revenue. It doesn't matter how many tickets you sell. It doesn't matter how many jerseys you sell, how many beers the fans drink. None of that. None of that matters. This is the, the baseline of money that you are guaranteed, and this is what keeps a league healthy in terms of ownership. In terms of yeah, you know, fat and healthy. I mean, these are right? obscene amount of money, but but it's there for a reason because historically the TV um, ratings have um, dictated that this is what it's worth because you know the ESPNs, ABCs, NBCs, CBS, they're paying this money, so they in turn can turn around and sell the ads, sell other components of it so that they can make money off this even though they're spending at times you know um you know six billion dollars a year right now in the nfl for for rights on a yearly basis and so they got to go able to turn and make money off it which is seemingly harder and harder for certain segments including espn who's just had a significant layoff in part people are thinking because they overpaid for certain sports products right and the proof is in the pudding because we see this shake out and the reason we're getting to this now, the NBA Finals just wrapping up, the Golden State Warriors winning the NBA title, 
And as we get into the landscape of TV sports broadcasting packages and the deals that are on across the world, and a little bit later on, we're, we're going to talk soccer, and we are, and the numbers dictate that we have to. And I know that will turn some American sports fans off, but the numbers are truly staggering. But And look, you just talked about it. Everyone knows that the NFL is the king of this gig. They have a $40 billion television deal right now that runs through 2022 with, with all four major U.S. networks. Uh, they're really dipping their toes heavy into the water of social media and broadcasting on Twitter, and they're the king. And they're the king for a lot of reasons that you and I were just talking about in our in our pre-show production meeting, the gambling aspect of it, all the stuff that goes along with that. People have a vested interest in what's going on. But the one that really jumps off the paper at me, and I don't know that they necessarily get the credit that they deserve across the board is the National Basketball Association, the NBA. They just they just signed a mega, mega deal with ESPN and TNT, a $24 billion deal that's going to go through 2025. And as things break out, they're raking in $2.6 billion per year, with a B, folks, $2.6 billion per year. They are a very, very strong number two from the whole aspect of all the sports leagues and all the TV deals that are going on around the world, they are number two, and it's not even close, Cam. No, it, it's not. And you you take the deal that they did with ESPN and TNT on, on the TV side, and you couple that with the new collective bargaining agreement that went into place. Um, and you have this far larger pool of money that's available. Salary caps went through the roof last year. Um, settled a little bit this year, but you're still looking at the $100 million range. Um, and now it's going to be, you know, how do you divide up that money? And, and, and the way the NBA current collective bargaining agreement is, the rich got richer at the top. Your, your, your extreme superstars, they're going to get paid. And it makes sense from a business standpoint, you're going to pay those people. People watch the NBA finals. Drives it. Yeah, because you got LeBron, you got Kyrie, you got Steph, you got Draymond Green. You got, you know, um, some guy that, you know, they signed out of uh, Oklahoma City. It, right. it might have been a pretty good signing for uh, you know two years for Kevin Durant, um, but you know they get they get richer, the rookies got richer, and the the middle segment's going to get poorer over time. But you're going to see some large contracts signed there that three four years are going to become albatrosses for teams because they're going to no longer be the right type of contract to have for somebody who's in essence a role player. But today they can get the money and they're going to get paid. Absolutely, they are, and, and you see these. There was an immediate impact with this. There was actually even a, a preliminary impact with this television deal as we saw the salaries begin to really spike before the new TV deal took took effect, and that was before last season. A guy like Timothy Mozgov at that time at the Lakers signs a $60 million four-year deal, as you said, essentially a, a single-minute-a-game role player. And we saw this really play itself out in the offseason, we see it continue to play itself out. You're going to see role guys that are going to make $20 million per in the NBA. And a side shoot of this, Cam, is something where a guy like LeBron James in, in the, the leadership, quote-unquote leadership, of the NBA Players Union, and, and we say leadership because they're the top superstars, I think you really have to give those guys a tip of the cap because it would be very easy for LeBron James to say, hey, why don't we go international soccer model on here? And LeBron James, very easily, you could justify a $50 million a year salary because LeBron James is woefully underpaid in terms of a salary compared to what he generates. 
from a market perspective. He is woefully underpaid, but these superstars have, have done a nice job in, in creating a, a strength for the entire players to draw upon. No, they have. That's a, a very interesting point uh, that you made because I think there is a, a realization that to have a healthy league and to have people who want to not only pay the money to go through the turnstile, but more importantly, click on the TV, pop on what's streaming on the Internet, however right. you're going to go and consume it, that that ultimately drives overall salaries and what they can put in their pocket uh, because you get the TV deals that you get. If it was not entertaining and people were not watching it at the rate that they watched it and consume it, you're not going to end up with a $24 billion deal from ESPN and TNT for the NBA. And so, you know, you have to have it viable and entertaining, which means that you gotta, you got to make sure that everybody can eat. And, and there's plenty to eat there, and nobody's starving, that's for sure. But, you know, that, that's, you know from, the, from the rookies on up. Um, but you're looking at a lot of money, and, you know, it's, it, it, the pie got bigger, and how's it going to be divided? And there's plenty of people that, you know, have the forks out that wanna, want a piece of it. Right, and when you look at how things are going, and there's been a lot of talk about this in the sports media, a lot of talk about this in society as well. And one of our associate producers on the show, Dan Goliath, posed the question. He, he asked me, he said, how much longer do you think the current model of these television deals for basketball, the NFL, et cetera, how long can they last before they plateau or, even worst case, collapse due to oversaturation of social media, due to, to cord cutting and losing of subscribers? And everyone that can understand basic, basic math understands exactly what the, the scenarios are for ESPN right now where the, the viewership, the subscribership is, is dropping to a perilous level where the the columns don't add up. And I'm not a big math guy. I never proposed to be, and I never will be. However, I understand if you're spending more than you're taking in, there comes a point where that's no longer viable. Wait, will we get to that point? Um, hard to say whether you get to that point or not. You're going to certainly see a shift in the medium that's used to transmit the games. Because that's where society's taking it, it's where the consumer's taking it. I mean, you, you mentioned it right now, you know, with cable. Subscribers down. You know, millennials do not like to necessarily pay for their entertainment because they've been brought up in a way that they can, from their perspective, not have to pay and to be able to um, get access to and consume the entertainment that they're interested in it. YouTube, Facebook streaming whatever it is as opposed to paying your monthly cable bill which is a huge impact for ESPN because ESPN gets seven bucks for every consumer whether they watch ESPN or not per month because that is the draw that's the deal they had the leverage and that's the deal they could strike with Comcast and so as Comcast subscribers go down direct TV subscribers go down because we don't want to pay on a monthly basis anymore. That is right off the bottom line to ESPN. So as ESPN provides guaranteed revenue to the leagues, the cable companies provide guaranteed, not as much guaranteed, but a revenue stream. And so you look at millennials and how they consume their entertainment. And they're far more wanting to be in the producer and director chair dictating what they want to see, when they want to see it, how they want to see it, and not be necessarily willing to just shell out for it. And so that is something that is um, a challenge. It is something that is going to um, not align well with the current model of broadcast TV um, and how that you have to watch through and sit through an entire game. And you see these 
breakoffs. You got the red zone. You got these other avenues to be able to go and consume certain parts of the game. And that's only going to continue to accelerate. And what kids now between the ages of 10 and 16 are going to want when, you know, they're between 20 and 26 and how they consume will be significantly different than what the millennials are doing now. Because they're not going to want to do what their parents did because that's lame. And I mean, it's lame. <laughs> and, and, and they've just grown up. Uh, you know, with with a difference. You know, when when my 12 year old tells my eight year old, you got to realize, you know, I had it hard. The iPhone didn't exist when I was growing up. <laughs> you know, and all you've ever had has been able to have you know some touch screen device, and so it's going to be a huge challenge. But the the revenue is going to be there. It's it's how do people want to go and consume it, and how can you monetize it? And you know, you look at the you know you know just from the standpoint of consumer issues. You know what mobile ordering has done, right. and it's, it's almost eliminated the drive-through. Not really, but you, but it's turned it on its head. Is that again? You get to dictate what you want, when you want it, and how you want it. Now, if you be able to, to take that and be able to say, you know, um, you know, we have the um, the the Cavs Golden State Warriors on on Christmas Day. Well, okay, it's Christmas Day. It might be a little bit busy doing something else, but if you could go onto your phone and say, I want to see this play or only the last two minutes of each quarter and I'm going to pay some, something for that and have it available to me on my phone, um, you know, that there is a revenue stream out there and it's going to be who can tap into it, who has the vision to do it. Because if you sit still, you're going to die. There's a lot of new players in the game, a lot of creative people. And, you know, it's not that different between Blockbusters and Netflix. You know, Blockbusters was the king. Wherever you want, every, they were in every corner. Right. You know, and that model went out because somebody else found a way to deliver that same content differently and in a way that consumers wanted. And um, and now there is no Blockbusters and Netflix is worth a lot. And Blockbusters could have bought Netflix for 50 million bucks and turned it down. Right. Netflix may be the, the next player to, to Dan Glide's question. Netflix may be. I, I dropped the maybe. They are going to be one of the players moving forward in this whole uh, situation that we're talking about. Television deals in the major sports league, not only in America, but across the world here on the Straight Cash Homie Podcast. He is Cam Evans. My name is Neil Rule. Happy to have you with us here on iTunes and SoundCloud. And, Cam, that, that's a good segue you brought up because we, we started talking about the NBA and they have really caught my eye, not only with, with the numbers that they're posting as far as their television contracts are concerned but the way they deliver that content that's a, that's a great way you put it the NBA in, in my opinion is the king of this and David uh, in, when you look at Adam Silver and the commissioner of the NBA and exactly, I almost said David Stern there you're, just, you're pre-programmed, you're programmed to say David Stern but Adam Silver has done a great job during his tenure as commissioner of the NBA, they're talking about, and I, I heard Adam Silver talk about this during a, a recent interview he did, the the NBA League Pass is, is a very successful paid subscription-based. And look, I'll be honest with you, I, I cut the cord at home. I, I subscribe to my, my packages, my NBA League Pass, uh, MLB uh, package as well, the MLS package. I consume my television on a on a what I want basis and I run the uh, run the Netflix for the kids and they watch their kids shows through the Netflix and that's it I just I pick and choose what I want I have an antenna to watch the big stuff on on broadcast and that's it I mean that that's how I roll but the NBA is the king in recognizing this 
They are going to offer possibly as soon as next season an option on their NBA League Pass where you can subscribe. They'll have one price for you to get every minute of every game all the way across the league. Then they're going to have another package where you can order and watch just the last five minutes of every game. So whenever a game gets to the last five minutes, you'll have the ability to click on that game and watch just the last five minutes. And as we've seen society evolve, and, and you talk about it, we talk about it on a day-to-day basis, it is a consumer-based society that wants things the way they want it and how they want it. The NBA feels that this is a market, and I'll tell you what, Cam, I bet it works. It could work, and it can work from the standpoint of subscriber and revenues. But then you got to look at it if you're from the NBA standpoint, is that if, if that is going to drive a meaningful amount of your viewership into the last five minutes, the impact that's going to have on your ad rates um, for the rest of the game, um, who's going to sponsor your pregame, who's going to sponsor the halftime show um, that they have, and then what can you do with the ad rates in the last five minutes of the game? Are they going to, in the last five minutes now, um, have some built-in stoppage so you can get more ad time in there? Right. Um, because they're looking to, at, at all the different ways that they can generate revenue without disrupting the game, and um, I think you're right. I think I think I think Commissioner Silver he he creates the perception that the NBA is willing to confront the realities of um, a lot of issues that are impacting the game, um, and some of them are you know are, are ones that you don't necessarily want to go and deal with. Um, the elephants in the room, the right. gam- the gambling, the the sponsorship on the jerseys, the logos on the jerseys, all those things that a lot of other leagues view as taboo. The NBA and Commissioner Silver, they, they've been on the forefront. And, and I would guess that's probably why you're seeing them take a giant leap in the arms race for television money. Because uh, they're willing they, to do that. They're willing to do it. And they're, and they're willing to look at, I would say, unconventional ways to um, market their product. And, uh, you know, as you said, ads on jerseys next year. Um, it, it is going to... You know, break the iceberg in, in the U.S. from a major sports standpoint, and is it going to become accepted? I mean, anybody that turns on the Premier League from England, um, you know, to watch, you know, and, and European there are... football, nobody's going to sit there. Nobody is as upset because, you know, they, they have, you know, corporate sponsorship that is the jersey. Not just a component of it. Right. That's the jersey. And is it going to be something, as I said, that becomes more um, just natural? And and they do it, but you know he he's willing to sit and look. He's willing, you know, gambling is going to be a big issue. That's going to really impact it. The um, you know the U.S. Supreme Court um, just this morning agreed to hear uh, an appeal involving New Jersey's efforts to legalize gambling that was struck down, um, and it was opposed by all four leagues. And those leagues are still lockstep in opposing it. Um, but if New Jersey wins. And now states have the ability uh, to al- allow some type of um, legal gambling. Sports betting is really what we're caring about. You know, we got casinos, but who cares about casinos? Right. You know, um, it'd be very different if you could go down. You know, we sit here in Metro Detroit and go down one of the three casinos uh, in downtown Detroit, and they and they got sports betting down there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, it's a different thing. It's a different revenue generator. Different concerns. Um, but leagues now to deal with it. You got, you know, you got an NHL and NFL team by all means sitting in Vegas, uh, right. and so that's going to be, you know, you're getting in bed with with gambling, and and they want to, you know, to a certain extent they need to embrace it. It is part of society. You got to make sure the games can be, um, you know, clean as possible. Make sure nobody's throwing anything. Um, but you know, it's all you know, fantasy football. 
leagues and you know, it's not gambling per se but people have money in it and they're not, sure. ga- they're not gambling on the outcome of the game they are gambling on how certain players do and that is one component that the NFL has been able to really really embrace um, that drives viewership um, even on games that are not the marquee games because you have such a large fantasy league out there or fantasy audiences want to see how their player is doing in any given situation, but it's going to be how can leagues market off that? How can they better better deliver the content that is important and relevant to fantasy owners than they're doing right now through the internet and through through text updates and everything else that's done? Right. Um, but it's going to be you know we look at you know you and I sitting here across the table, you know it wasn't that long ago that you and I would have been banging on a door trying to get a TV or a radio station to be able to say, yeah, we'll give you a half hour between, you know, two in the morning and three in the morning <laughs> right. uh, to come and, you know, come and talk and, 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 and have this type of program that we have. And we're now podcast of commonplace. We can sit down in an office, you got the equipment, you can go talk about anything you want and you basically have your own radio station and you can go and broadcast it. You have your own TV station. If you look at YouTube and everything else is generated that way. Um, that's not changing. And then what, what league's going to be, best able to go and leverage this opportunity and be able to take advantage of this opportunity, but they're going to need to evolve and continue to evolve. And those who do it successfully are going to make a lot of money. A lot of money, no question about it. You're listening to Straight Cash Homie Podcast, uh, your home to talk about the business side of sports. He is Cam Evans of Pivotal Sports Management. Follow him on Twitter at Cameron underscore J underscore Evans. My name is Neil Rule. You can follow me on Twitter at Neil Rule, N-E-A-L-R-U-H-L. And go ahead and give us a follow on social media. Anytime you got a, a question about the business side of sports, we do our best to uh, get back to you. We may uh, use it in the show as well. That's something that we've done and we've been doing uh, on a weekly basis, taking questions and talking about what's going on and talking about what the fans uh, really want addressed. And right now we're talking about the television broadcasting deals that that all the major leagues have in place. And the NBA has taken a considerable jump. And, Cam, it's, it's a good segue to get into the other big jump that is happening. And what if I told you, American sports fans, that the television landscape right now the NFL is the king we all know that north of five billion dollars per year in revenue I just got done talking about how the the NBA is second at over two and a half billion dollars per year in TV revenue anybody want to take a stab at what's third in America that'd be the EPL the English Premier League and, and I think this is a this really is a a one of the like in Looney Tunes when the anvil would fall on the head uh, <laughs> of Wiley Coyote this could be one of those moments for people listening to this show. Yes, folks, the EPL, the English Premier League, has the third largest television deal in American sports for a sport that doesn't happen in America. That Does that sink in with you, Cam? Does that resonate with you? You know, the world's shrinking. It's like, you know, sports is global. You look at a few things, you know, the things that, that people have in common across the world. Um, you know, people celebrate birthdays. Uh, you breathe the air. Right. Uh, but, you know, the passion for sports is something that is ingrained in every society and every country uh, across the world. And everybody comes from different um, perspectives and, and what they grew up with and what they like and what's readily accessible for them to go and do. And um, with, you know, I'll come back to it, you know, how you consume the ability right now, you know, it's somebody sitting over 
in India can listen to this broadcast. And, and, and the world has shrunk that way from being able to connect with people and now being able to be able to get um, sports and sporting events from anywhere in the world. And that, again, provides you the ability to go out and get these deals. I think it is amazing that, that the uh, EPL uh, has the deal that it has and the, and the ratings that it has in the United States is because it wasn't that long ago where you know soccer was very much an afterthought. No but that is, that is changing because not only from the standpoint of what kids are playing and have been playing now for decades, so it is ingrained, um, but the diverse nature of the United States and people who come from here from different parts of the world where soccer is king. Well, I say cash is king, but soccer is king. And they'll get up. I have friends that, you know, when it's time for World Cup – and fired up. Fired up. Oh, I'm getting up at 2 o'clock in the morning because right. that's when my my team's playing. I don't care if I had to get up and go to work at 6. And it's that passion, and that's, that's, that's going to drive it, and it's going to continue to drive it and um, see what happens from the you know, Major League Soccer standpoint, you know, being able to continue to catch on in the United States. Right, and when you look at it worldwide, if you, if you take into account the deals that the English Premier League have worldwide with Serie A over in Italy, with the Bundesliga in Germany, in La Liga in Spain, if you go worldwide, those four leagues hold four of the top seven broadcasting deals in the world. I mean, this is real, folks. If you, if you add up the numbers from those four soccer leagues that I just mentioned, they are on par with the National Football League. They are on par. So, I mean, the, the, the moment is coming. And, and I've always had people talk to me about this and of course I, I do the play-by-play broadcasting for Detroit City FC a very successful soccer team that's in uh, downtown Detroit I have a game to do tonight as a matter of fact but when you look at the power that soccer has created and, and everyone has always asked well it, it's great over there in the world and everything like that but it, it's just it's never going to take off here in America and, and there were people when the World Cup was here in 1994 that laughed and I, I was one of those people I thought it's fine. Like, I always liked soccer. I did. I played it when I was a little kid, but, I mean, I didn't play it in high school or anything like that. But I always liked it. I always liked the World Cup. But I, I would always even say it's never it's never going to be at that level. Now it is. And you can you can dispute that, but if you're disputing it, you're just being a hater because the facts are right there in front of you. If you add up the revenue from the four, from the four leagues that I just mentioned, it is equal to the National Football League, which to me... It's the same sport. It's just four different offshoots of it. It's still the same sport, though. Much the same manner the NFL doesn't have any competition, so it's just the NFL. If you chop it up, you're pretty much dollar for dollar. It's here now. It is here, and it's going to continue to grow. Now, how much it grows in the United States, you don't know from the standpoint not only of fans going, even though I would say that that will continue to increase over our lifetime. And with that, you would also assume the ability to consume it um, on be, your terms. Uh, on your terms is, is going to drive market share. Will drive um, TV rights deals. Um, but I, you know, and and the and the ability to watch stuff, you know, from over in Europe, and be able to watch that in the United States. I mean, that's where they're going to go and draw their, you know, part of their market share from and the revenue to get their more and more TV. You know, the the, the price of the TV deals over there are going to go up. Um, but it also is this untapped potential from our four major sports, which is how can you go and tap into Europe? 
in the four major sports or continue to tap into it in a way that makes you a lot of money. You know, you see the NFL have four games a year over in London, and they all are going to have a team over there. That may not work. You certainly see the NBA has 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 it's probably one of the you know the most international besides maybe hockey. Uh, from the standpoint of talent, and if you get the talent right. in here, then the you get the interest follows. over there. The passion follows, you know. Are you going to be able to have a team over there? You can have more games over there, you know. The NHL, you know, uh, they have the ability. I mean, they're, you know, they got Canada, but I mean, that's next door. But are they going to be able to go over and be able to generate revenue? That you know, from the from the hockey interest over in the northern part of Europe. These are all things you get to look at because the world's getting smaller and smaller, and it's going to continue to get smaller as the you know technology uh, continues to improve. Right in the NHL, which which I'll get to in just a second of what has happened to that league. And look, Cam, they've they've pretty much begin the the descent of falling off the map. And I people you could point to ratings and that's one thing I always point to money because money is more of a truth teller money is money I mean it's a bottom line it's a factual <laughs> it's factual there's there's no way to dispute that or to fudge it or anything like that it's just it's money <laughs> that's that's what we all judge everything by uh these days but you look at NHL now eighth in the world as far as their uh league broadcasting agreement goes and the the majority of that money comes from Canada and Rogers Sportsnet in Canada. Time time has run out on the National Hockey League, and they are being left behind. And we, we talked about the soccer, and really, Cam, which we'll get to the NHL in just a couple seconds, but the ascent of soccer, you talked about this, and it's been a prevailing theme of the show, is that people want to consume it the way they want to consume it, on their terms, when they want. Soccer has the market cornered in that. The game is 90 minutes, and it's over. There's no breaks. There's no television timeouts. There's, we'll be right back after this. They run the commercials during the game in the, in the on the screen in the upper corner or along the boards on the, uh, the advertising boards on the side of the screen. Soccer has all those intangibles that point to that green arrow of ascension, that, that trending up that soccer has when you factor in the passion that you talked about across the world, but Cam, I think even bigger, and this is really going to play the part, this is really what's going to do the trick for it in the United States, it's a fixed event. 90 minutes, Cam, and it's over. And and as we continue to have less and less time, as we work more and more hours, it's just more convenient to watch soccer. And I, I think that's being undersold, that's an undersold aspect of it in the United States of America, but make no mistake, 90 minutes and done, Cam. 90 minutes done, and there is very little downtime during those 45-minute halves. Right. Which, if you look at it, and I'm looking at this from a hockey perspective, um, NHL um, could be similar to that, is that there's not a lot of stoppages of play. And when there are stoppages in a play, okay, you got a line change, boom, here we go, we're going to drop the puck and go. Mm -hmm. As opposed to football where there's plenty of downtime, but that doesn't seem to impact things yet. Um, basketball, there's, you know, um, downtime, free throw shooting, and, and the like, but not as much. But in the last two minutes, people go crazy because it takes forever to play. Right. Everybody's calling timeout. Uh, and baseball is one of the things that you, you're, you're looking at. It is baseball is that you're losing the draw of the younger people because there is so much what they consider to be dead time uh, in between 
pitches and there's only so much live action in the game and they get bored and they get distracted or they want to do three things at once um, and so you, you look at it I mean that's soccer you know it's 45 minutes and it's 45 minutes unless the refs just wants to throw on some extra time at the end but we don't know how long it's about right it's going to go <laughs> sure um, but that but is, it's uh, only four or five minutes max <laughs> right and, 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 and you know where, you know what you're at, you're at I was just at a, a minor league game the other, the other week and um, you know, in the league that they're associated with, you know, they they got a 90 second clock in between it, half innings, and and that gets right up on the scoreboard. And I just thought, wow, that's you know that that is a sign of the time is that everybody knows, okay, it is a minute and 30 seconds for each half inning, and when it gets down to zero, boom, play ball, and right. um, it helped move the game along, which is which is important. But that's something that baseball, you know, you don't know, you're going to get two and a half hours, or you can get five hours. Uh, which is something, you know. That, and most that, of the time it's going to be closer to five than it is to two and a half if the Yankees and Red Sox are playing. And, and there you go. And, and, <laughs> and, and how many time of that is spent with the ball in play? Um, and just like in football. you And the same thing, people pay to watch football if all you're going to do is watch snaps. Mm-hmm. Um, and that game now is far less of your time. And, f- you know, people say far more entertaining, entertaining than sitting there and having the dead time in between plays. No, there, there's no question about it. But it's interesting to see the NHL and really how far they've fallen where their worldwide TV rights are coming in at right around $450 million per year and it's just not you know it's just not something that 20 years ago you would have seen coming and in my own personal opinion one of the mistakes they made was getting away from ESPN because ESPN and, and look they're much maligned and they're coming under heavy fire but they still dictate a lot of the journalistic coverage and a lot of the coverage that the sports get on SportsCenter. SportsCenter is still a very popular show. Ask Fox Sports, who have tried to replicate it, and, and they just can't. So I, I think the people at Fox Sports would tell you that SportsCenter is a very popular show. The NHL, once they got away from ESPN, Cam, that, that really seems to have been the death blow for their league in terms of being that fourth major sport because they're clearly behind soccer worldwide clearly the money dictates that they are they're clearly behind nascar as far as television ratings go ken there's not much left <laughs> they're on par with bowling from what i've seen and you look at these other sports that are coming up australian rules football and the the cricket leagues worldwide the num the numbers are coming up and very soon they're going to be overtaking the nhl in terms of television money that's brought in they could be, and 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 NHL's tied up with uh, Rogers Sport Network through 2025. Um, but you're right, and and you got to step back and realize that 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 Sports Center and ESPN is not nece- is not a true news show about sports. It is there to a certain extent to promote what ESPN is going to broadcast, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's how ESPN makes money, right. and certainly they still cover hockey, but nothing like they used to. And the ability to penetrate households with it has been dramatically altered because they're just not in front of people as much um but if you're sitting here you know nhl i say you know you look at it and it is an opportunity because you know that your revenue is not going to be coming in at the pace that you want it to through the tv deal so how can you go how can you become the leader in delivering content to a new generation of viewers who you know, if you do it right and you make it entertaining and you make it consumable in the way that the younger people want to do it, I think that it is 
certainly um, realistic to think that you can expand in a meaningful way your uh, viewing audience and your fan base. I, I look at it what's been able to happen, you know, like Big Big Ten Network and some of these, you know, um, non-revenue producing sports, you know, but lacrosse, I mean. Right, softball. Uh, a- absolutely. Softball's become a revenue producer now. Right, but, and being able to do it, but people will sit and watch that where before it would be just kind of like, oh, that's interesting, what if that is, but you understand. But they will sit there and consume it because it is now being put in front of them. Mm-hmm. Hockey's not being put in front of them on a national audience like it used to be when it was tied with ESPN. Um, and you even look at it in Canada. I mean, you know, hockey night in Canada is just not the same on Saturday nights because you can watch hockey seven days a week. Again, how do you evolve? You evolve or, or you die. You know, Monday Night Football may become a thing of the past. Think about it. Monday Night Football. An institution. Great word. It was an institution. It was the the thing. I looked more forward to Monday night than I did Sunday night when I was growing up because there was nothing on Sunday night once that last game went off. It was, you know, 60 minutes, whatever parents wanted to watch and everything else. But now Sunday Night Football has positioned itself so strongly that the ratings for Monday night are suffering. And does Monday Night Football survive another five years? Um, don't know that I don't know what that answer is going to be, um, but you look at these institutions that again, if they're not evolving in how they're doing it and how they're delivering it, they're dying. They're dying, and um, and and I think this is an opportunity. But you know, for the NHL, you you sit there, you get the you get the right people in the room, and you start looking at how can we do this, how can we take this content and make it, you know, consumable for the younger crowd and how they consume their entertainment and um, you know they they could I won't say they'll be the leader dollar wise because it's just not going to work in in our society where we live but they could certainly open up doors and create um, opportunities out there for the other sports to go and learn from and I, you know I certainly hope that the NHL embraces it and I'm sure they're trying to embrace it but it's not easy if the answers were easy they'd all have it figured out oh yeah you and I wouldn't be sitting around here I'd be running a league <laughs> you know it's funny you brought up that 60 minutes that that ticking clock when I was a kid there's nothing more I hated than that ticking clock because that meant it was Sunday night and the party was over and, and it was time to go back to school on Monday God I hated that ticking <laughs> clock on 60 minutes what I don't hate, though, Ken, is doing this, a straight-to-cash homie podcast. That about wraps it up here for today. Believe it or not, 38 minutes in the books and a snap of a finger, man, every single week. It's unbelievable how quick it goes. It goes very, very quickly and very appreciated to everybody that tunes in and uh, supports us as we continue to do what we like to do yeah. and be able to allow people to consume it when they want on it your and, terms. and how they want it. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and if you're listening on iTunes, go ahead and give that subscribe button a push and uh, subscribe to the Straight Cash Homie podcast. We do this hey, I, on, a, on a fairly regular basis. I, we get in we get in the lab probably about once every three weeks or so and, and, and kick out some new stuff as stuff is going on. So I know we got the uh, – a little bit of downtime coming up for the summer, but I imagine about the middle of the month in July we'll get uh, we'll get back together and we'll see what's cracking. But again, we certainly do appreciate everybody listening, subscribing on iTunes and on SoundCloud. He is Cam Evans of Pivotal Sports Management. Follow Cam on Twitter at Cameron underscore J underscore Evans on Twitter. My name is Neil Rule at Neil Rule N E A L R U H L on Twitter as well. So go ahead and give us a follow. And once again, thanks to everybody for listening and participating through social media. And we'll be back at it 
to the next time. This is the Straight Cash Homie Podcast. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Well, see you later.